0: hi i'm lana from wellnessjourneys.co.uk and welcome back to my podcast journeys to wellness my website is wellnessjourneys.co.uk you can also find me on the following facebook wellness journeys my twitter wellness journeys and instagram journeys to wellness so thank you for joining me today um Today I'm going to be talking about spirituality and guilt, why we carry so much guilt in our life and how this prevents us from finding true happiness. To understand how individual happiness and pleasure impact collective cultures and purpose, we must first answer a few big questions. Is happiness important? Yes. Is happiness a universal human feeling? Yes. Do other animals experience happiness? Yes. And is there a scientific basis for happiness? Yes. If you substitute the word pleasure for happiness above, um, the same answers apply. But now we must ask, are happiness and pleasure the same thing? No. Do people sometimes equate pleasure with happiness? Yes. And is there scientific evidence that differentiates the two? Yes. The science behind happiness and pleasure, um, sourced in the fields of neuroscience, medicine and psychology, it draws heavily on research summarised in the book The Hacking of the American Mind by Dr. Robert Lustig in 2017, and this post, post extends Dr. Lustick's insights into the realms of organizational culture and business strategy. One key insight from the book, US culture tends to confuse happiness and pleasure. Fortunately, Dr. Lustick enumerates seven differences between the two. Quoting him from a 2017 interview with the University of California TV, he clarifies that the seven differences, the seven key differences, one, pleasure is short-lived, happiness is long-lived. Pleasure is visceral, happiness is ethereal. Pleasure is taken, happiness is given. Pleasure can be achieved with substances, Happiness cannot be achieved with substances. Pleasure is experienced alone. Happiness is experienced in social groups. The extremes of pleasure all lead to addiction, whether they be substances or behaviors. Yet there's no such thing as being addicted to too much happiness. Finally, and most importantly, pleasure is tied to the dopamine The pleasure biochemical neurotransmitter and happiness is tied to serotonin the hype the happiness biochemical neurotransmitter i want to talk a little bit today about how happiness and pleasure can lead to feeling guilty the wellness journeys we talk about journeys to everything, journeys that lead places, journeys that take us somewhere. I'm interested in how the body reacts to the mind and a lot of my clients will come with issues relating to finding happiness and breaking away from the substance of guilt and guilt is something that we all carry. The Definitive Guide to Guilt, which was written um, in 2012 by Susan Crass, Whitbourne, PhD. Um, She wrote this article and it says, when it comes to guilt, Freud was the expert, but he certainly didn't have a corner on the market. Guilt comes in many forms, but when all is said and done, it can be boiled down to a set of five basic types. You'll learn what those five types are, but first let's take a look at how psychologists define guilt. Guilt is first and foremost an emotion. You may think of guilt as a good way to get someone to do something for you out of a sense of obligation. But it's more accurate to think of guilt as an internal state. In the overall scheme of emotions, guilt is in the general category of negative feeling states. It's one of the sad emotions, which also include agony, grief, and loneliness, according to one comprehensive framework, Fisher, Shaver, and Karnakon, 1990. Like other emotions, there is no one explanation for guilt. The traditional Freudian view is that guilt resides under the veneer of our behaviour, The psychodynamic theory of Freud proposes that we build defence mechanisms to protect us from the guilt we would experience if we knew just how awful our awful desires really were. Specifically, Freud linked the feeling of guilt as well as anxiety to the opidial stage of psychosexual development. Young children, he believed, desire having sex with their opposite-sex parents. Eventually, these desires become submerged and transformed into sexual attraction towards others of their own age. Freud's disciple, Eric Erikson, took a somewhat dim view of Freud's emphasis on sexuality as the only force in development and therefore took issue with Freud's notion of guilt. Instead, Erickson believed that guilt first emerges in life around ages three to five as the negative outcome to a period he called initiative versus guilt. Children develop a strong sense of guilt at this age as the polar opposite of playfulness. They are afraid to express themselves with their toys because they feel fear that if they showed their true emotions, They would commit an unacceptable act they grow up to be overtly inhibited adults who constantly fear doing something for which they'd later feel guilty if you don't like psychodynamic approach to guilt perhaps you'll find the cognitive explanation a bit more palatable from a cognitive cognitive point of view guilt is an emotion that people experience because They're convinced they've caused harm. I'm going to stop there just to talk a little bit about um, adults that I work with sometimes that believe that they are responsible for their parents as adults. In some ways, they regress back into childhood activity simply because the child believes that it's responsible for the parent. And we can see this in people that have had narcissistic parents, or a narcissistic parent is an example. It's very familiar for adults to believe that they are responsible for mummy and daddy, instead of seeing them as mum and dad. As adults, we learn to acknowledge the world around us, as we learn to acknowledge the moral code of responsibility, that we have to ourselves first and foremost. But how can we do that when we're carrying the guilt and the shame of our past? If I was told very frequently that I would never have come to, to anything, that I was a naughty girl, I carry that. I have carried that. In cognitive theory, the thoughts the thoughts cause the emotions. The emotion of guilt follows directly from the thought that you are responsible for someone else's misfortune, whether or not this is the case. People who experience guilt on a chronic basis, according to the cognitive perspective, mistakenly suffer under the illusion that they have caused other people harm. Their negative emotion follows from their tendency to misinterpret what happens to them, and not to question the logic of their conclusions. In cognitive therapy treatment, often it involves teaching people to rid themselves of their automatic thoughts. People constantly, in contrast to psychodynamic view of guilt, the cognitive perspective gives the average person some clues for fixing the tendency to blame yourself for everything that goes wrong. According to the cognitive view if you change your thoughts you can change your emotions. Once you realize that you're inaccurately seeing yourself as causing others to suffer you can readjust your mental state and more realistically figure out your role in whatever grief came their way. When I think about the guilt that I carried for so many years and to to some extent, there's a residue that is still there. I still feel guilty that I can't fix the behavior of my nieces and nephews who have gone down the road um, of mental health issues through substance abuse from a very young age. And I look back on their story and I remember thinking, when I was in my 20s and they were very young, if only they would grow up quickly and they would be free of the pain that they're suffering as children. And their pain was being taken into care at a very young age because my family member, their mother, couldn't manage them, couldn't manage their outbursts, which is a way of children finding an outlet for their emotions. Not being able to offload to their parent in terms of seeing their parent upset. Causes can cause a child to have those outbursts in the external world. And the external world will see that as tantrums, the external world will see that as bad behaviour. In a modern world, a child with ADHD, a child with learning difficulties, or the inability to regulate its emotions through the frustrations and the pain of its environment, will act out. And nowadays, we're fortunate that more and more people are starting to understand that a child's reaction to the external world comes through its what it's experienced. My experience as a child, um, and I've talked a lot about this in former podcasts, of being the victim to sexual abuse um, and not being able to talk about that and carrying that guilt and that shame for so many years that it was my fault. I deserved to be treated the way that I was treated. My body deserved to feel the pain because of the way I had behaved or believed that i behaved. And remember that, you know, as children, we don't have the ability to understand our emotions. We don't have that emotional intelligence. I look at Teddy now my little doggy which i've i've talked about in in former recent episodes and i look at teddy and it's interesting how i'm learning so much about myself we know that um, we are all connected so an animal does an animal have feelings emotions of course it does when teddy pooed in The bedroom, um, a room that I'd closed off to him because he's only four months old. Um, I didn't want him going in there. So certain areas of the house that I allowed him to be in, I have allowed him to be in, but somehow he found his way into our bedroom. And for sure, you know, Teddy thought that he'd become familiar with another part of his little world. And um, I was in there one day with my partner and, you know, okay pitter patter of little feet along the corridor we said okay come in and we allowed him into the bedroom I wasn't too sure why he was looking so guilty when we picked him up we put him on the bed beside us we played with him but he kept looking away as his eyes were diverted as if to say I can't look at you I can't look at you because I know I've done something wrong and of course I thought that it was because he knew he was in the, the wrong place he shouldn't have been in the bedroom Anyway, later on that day, I went back into the room for something. And what do I find? Yep, a big poop in the middle of the bedroom. So it made sense why Teddy was looking so guilty at me. And I just laughed, I couldn't scorn him because I knew that if I was to scorn him, he would be confused. But what have I done? There was no puppy, there was no puppy pad down. You know, I've never been here before. I had to mark my territory. All the reasons why he pooped in his little mind, um, it it would have confused him for me to turn around and smack him. We are responsible for our children. We are responsible for the outcome of our child's life. If we believe that, you know, making a child feel guilty is going to help them to become aware of the external world, then we're wrong. We are wrong to think that we're responsible for showing a child the guilty path before we show the child the path to love. Armed with this background, let's examine five types of guilt. More importantly, how you can cope when you feel guilty, when when Guilty feelings come your way. Um, Guilt for something that you did. So the most obvious reason to feel guilty is that you actually did something wrong. Now, this type of guilt may involve harm to others, such as causing someone physical or psychological pain. You may also feel guilty because you violated your own ethical or moral code, such as by cheating, lying or stealing. Guilt over your own behaviour can also be caused by doing something you swore you would never do again, such as smoking, drinking or overeating. And each of these cases, there's no doubt that the behaviour occurred. It's appropriate to feel guilty when you've done something wrong. Feeling the emotion of guilt for an action deserving of remorse is normal. To not feel guilty in these cases may be a sign of psychopathy. The problems occur when you ruminate over this guilt. It is better to accept the fact that it happened, apologize to the person or persons you've harmed, and then figure out how to avoid committing the same act in the future. I always call this awareness, self-awareness. When we come to self-awareness, we have a choice, we have a God-given choice. Do I do that again? Do I repeat the same behavior? When that self-awareness kicks in, it's in an instant, and I call it the God-mind that is opening up. And we can go into that God-mind, and we can listen to it, or we can carry on and choose to ignore that moral um, ego voice, that, that yes, that, that that human ego voice you've done nothing wrong if you violated your own personal standards such as through overuse of alcohol or cheating on your partner you can best avoid straying in the future by seeking support from others who can help you to keep you on the the up and up finally because of our natural tendency towards egocentrism We assume that others place far more importance on our thoughts and actions than they actually do. The behavior over which you are tormented by guilt, such as inadvertently insulting a friend, may have had less of a negative impact than you think. I remember when I was about 22 and I was doing a a part-time job A seasonal job and um, I used to go to my job with a friend whose husband would drop me very early in the morning and would pick us up and bring us home and this particular day he let me know that he could drop me to work but she couldn't come because she wasn't feeling very well I went to work that day and I remember um, at the end of the day, the supervisor asked if I wanted to do some overtime. And of course, I jumped up and she said, But the work usually goes to your friend. You know, she's got priority over you for different reasons. Um, so, do you think she'll be in to be able to do this overtime? And my first thought, Well, if she comes in, then that means there won't be a space for me. This was coming from my mind that I believed there wasn't enough to go around. And I I said, I lied. I said, oh, I think she's really sick. So I don't think she'll be able to come back, not for a few days. So of course, I was able to get the overtime. Moving forward a couple of weeks later, my, my friend actually found out what had happened. And she confronted me with it. And I remember it was the first time that I felt the feeling of first, feeling so guilty and putting myself first and really taking away from someone, something that was important to both of us. I remember thinking, what horrible person I am, how bad am I to have lied like that, to have just acknowledge the fact that I was more important than what she was. I needed something more than what she did. And I remember that the guilty feelings that I had, but more importantly, the reason that I'm telling that story and the remember that the reason that that story sticks in my mind is because it taught me a huge lesson in that moment. And it taught me all those years ago that there was always enough to go around and what I did, was I did something that opened up a whole nother part of me that I didn't realize existed. And I was acting through my pain. I was acting through my pain. And I'd been given a gift by my friends who actually confront me. When we can confront our guilty feelings, when we can confront the past, when we can confront things that we've done, and we're we're, we're brought to awareness and we're brought to really test ourselves and our moral conscience, then that is only going to benefit us in the future, but it also benefits us in a way where we can help other people to understand that guilt is there, sometimes for a reason. Do we hang on to guilt? Do I feel bad about that? What happened? looking back at it now no I, I don't feel guilty but at the time when I can reflect on the guilt yes there's still a residue of guilt that flows over into my life right now you know if I Act in a way that um, maybe I thought that I've walked through or I've learned a lesson about something. It could be road rage if I'm in my car and someone drives past and shouts at me for you know, trying to open my door and get out the car. Um, I nearly cause an accident. And I can, you know, shout back and say, Hang on, I'm trying to get out my car. Instead of actually recognizing that, you know, there in the right, maybe, because I could have caused an accident. So it's these little glimpses of guilt that come up now and again, a residue, what I call, of the guilt from in my life. And I, I don't think that th- this is something that, as human beings, we can escape. I think when guilt is seen as being a negative emotion, but we can use that memory, that memory bank, we can... Open that memory bank or allow that memory bank to open to understand where the guilt is coming from. And this is the thing, you know, the journey to wellness is always, always about walking into the future in the present moment and understand. And what we're taught each step of the way is that it's always our perception, as a course in miracles teaches us. Anything that happens is a perce- our perception. The outcome is what we perceive it to be, what we want it to be. So that can be from a good place or it, it can come from a place from the past. I don't mind feeling guilt because now I can, at this age that I am now, I can understand that my guilt is a proponent of... Um, my past, where I felt guilty, but now being able to recognize that I don't need to carry that guilt. Oh, there's guilt. It's awareness. And I can move on. I can move on. I can let go um, with the awareness that I don't have to carry guilt. The Same way Teddy, I wouldn't expect him to carry the guilt of these little poops all over the place that he does because he's a child he's a child and we have to think about you know the inner child that resides in all of us and the inner child that wants to wants to understand why they were rejected why they weren't accepted why they they weren't loved because that ultimately comes down to the knuckle, down to the bone, believing that they weren't loved. My name is Lana Lynn Marino, and thank you for joining me today on this part of my podcast. I'm going to follow up with the next episode, where we're going to look further at the causes of guilt, and um, try and fit in a meditation meditation that we can use that you can use to take you further into um, something that you can use as a way of helping you to get rid of guilt we do a nice visualization and this is something that I do with my clients a lot and it really helps them to just in that moment to feel the guilt but open them up to actually being able to use as their mantra I've done nothing wrong I am safe. You can find me on wellnessjourneys.co.uk or you can message me on anchor.fm slash marino My Twitter is wellnessjourneys. My Instagram, journeys to wellness. Thank you for joining me today. And remember, life does not have to be perfect to be beautiful. Take care and have a beautiful day.